welcome to Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Town to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And today we are discussing the rarely talked about spring ephemerals. What are they, their importance, and how you can use them in your garden? Write us at down. The Garden Path podcast at hotmail.com if you want to learn more or have any more questions after the show. That's right. So spring ephemerals, an exciting topic. We haven't talked about these before. I know, I know. And I think the most of people are wondering, what is that? And you and I had to keep double checking the spelling of ephemerals. Um, and But probably the most popular one that everybody would know is the trillium. Exactly. Yes, the trillium. Uh, so what is a spring ephemeral? I'm sure people will ask. Well, like, uh, and they say, as they say, spring, right? So something that's going to happen in spring, and then ephemeral, meaning just lasting for a very short time. So these are going to be plants, like you said, like the trillium, we have a short window in the spring, when they're going to jump up, uh, do their thing they're going to flower for a week or two and then they're basically going to slowly disappear the foliage or seed pod may hang around for a little mm -hmm. bit but like other bulbs that we might be planting around now um, they're going to go to sleep during the summer or the warmer periods they're going to go dormant again until next spring That's so right. again pretty for a very short time in spring mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but one of the advantages <clears throat> excuse me, is that they are one of the early bloomers. So, you know, we often, you know, talk about uh, in the spring, everybody kind of is like all in a panic, like leave the dandelions, leave the dandelions, you know, let the bees have their first food. Well, really, these spring ephemerals would really be the spring food. You know, many, um, you, you know, um, that you may have heard of, like the trillium, uh, Virginia bluebells, and they are available in Ontario, even though we're not in Virginia. Um, <laughs> uh, other ones, uh, bloodroot, some of the uh, Canada anemone, which is a, a, and many of them are native too, right, Matt? And you might even find them if you're a hiker or, or walking in the forest in the early, you know, late winter, early spring, you probably don't know what they are, but that's what they are. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot of different native ones, depending on who and where you are. But yeah, like you said, like trout lily, the ruined enemies. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting, unique plants that not only have a unique, interesting flower and a fun little time, but they often also come with a lot of unique, very nice overlooked foliage mm -hmm. as part of their ornamental interest as well. And like you said, a great or a very critical resource for those spring pollinators, the different bees, the bumblebees, mason bees, as well as the other insects that are just slowly waking up in that part of the, or that time of year. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and we're in November now. And so if you can find them, now is a very good time to plant them. But if you That's can't right. find them, you often uh, will be able to find them early spring. So it's something to watch out for in February. You know, uh, you can you can often find them still in bulb form or tuber form, or they're already potted. I know early spring you will find, and they go fast, right? So once they mm -hmm. show up at the nursery, but there's something you have to look for right away. Um, they all will spread, but usually not invasively with, with I guess, a few exceptions, because I know Canada anemone is one that can be can be pretty, pretty much a fast spreader. Um, but trilliums, we know, take a while to be established. Um, and some of the other ones also, like Virginia bluebells, I think, in the hepatica, not necessarily super, you know, fast runners, but uh, they they take a little bit of time to establish. Um, but they're really lovely, especially in most of them will all be shade, uh, shade loving. Um, although they're, we say that, but yet at that time of year, there's no, you usually no leaves on the trees, right? So. Yeah. And I don't know if I've said it on or used that term before here, but it's deciduous sun. So it's ah. like they're planted in along woodland areas, along trees or uh, anywhere where it's leafy, where there's going to be shade from trees, but at that point in the year when they come up, the leaves are very slow compared to them. And it is in full sun, but it is in a very woodland setting. So anywhere mm -hmm. you've got that deciduous shade. So it's going to be bright sun in the fall or in the early spring, but then it's going to be covered over by leaves as the summer goes and they go into their summer dormancy. Right. So they don't uh, get cooked. Basically, yeah, they'll get right? <laughs> yes. And That's their foliage right. does hang around. I know trillium, you know, shockingly, the trillium foliage hangs around much into the summer. Um, even when you're walking in the forest and stuff, you'll notice the trillium foliage, you know, the flowers long gone. Um, so that's something to keep in mind that, um, and I think this, this topic is for someone who has everything in their garden already, or, mm -hmm. you know, is already um, really focused on planting native plants and extending their seasons. And these are often overlooked and they're a nice little gem that you could find. And maybe you only pick one, like the Virginia bluebells, and you kind of stock up on those and you kind of have a beautiful purple show early in spring. And then you wait for other things to kind of emerge after that. Yeah, that's right. They go well with other shade perennials or those part sun perennials that could live in that deciduous sun. So as our ephemerals are up and they do their thing, um, as they slowly vanish, they can be taken over by ferns or hostas or wild ginger or other interesting shady characters that can come in and take over their space. For yeah, sure, I add think some interest. Yeah, and I think that's a great idea. So many people have hosta gardens, and it always takes a little while. I know this past year was a really slow start to hostas, and people were kind of panicking, like, oh, my gosh, why aren't my <laughs> hostas up yet? Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's that's a really neat way to um, add some different texture in the sense of the foliage, but just have something interesting happening while you're waiting for the uh, hostas to, to show uh, to show up in your garden. So, and to be a flower, right? Because we know, I mean, yes, many hostas will flower later in the season, but they certainly don't start off with a flower. So I think it's kind of nice uh, for people who've maybe invested in little areas of hosta gardens. I know I've designed some from for clients in their shady spots, you know, the dry shade where nothing else grows, that type of thing. Um, these are a neat, neat uh, plant to add. Um, you can look for them online, mail order, 
Um, you can ask at your local uh, garden centers, independent garden centers, and see if they are getting, you know, if they have any in right now or if they're going to get some in early spring. But we feel like it, it, with native plants, the more we ask for them and the more we, you know, the stores know that we are looking for them, the more that they will sort start sourcing them and bring them in. And I think that, you know, native plants overall has been a big success story from that, right? We've really seen native perennials, especially last year. I think that was the best year ever. And I think it's been because of the awareness and people are asking for them so that the garden centers are bringing them in. Yeah, exactly. If you don't ask, you don't get. Right. Uh, and definitely, like you said, natives are at an all-time high. Um, same thing with like fruits and everything like that. If you're not asking for these things, they're they companies don't know that you're interested in them. They have them available from different suppliers, and they may make new connections with other local suppliers, but they're not going to happen if we don't go looking for them and request them. So. Yeah, definitely. I don't be afraid to ask uh, your local garden centers or your local independent garden centers because they want to sell to you, right? And they want to yeah. make you successful out in your garden. That's right. Indeed. Yes. And you can support the online marketplace as well, mm. um, you know, which is very good. Um, and, and I think the cool thing that I find about them is they all look very different. You yeah. know, it's not like, you know, hostas all kind of have the same, you know, yes, they're in different sizes and different foliage uh, coloring, but a hosta is still a hosta, where when you look at the difference between a, a yellow trout lily and bloodroot and Virginia bluebells, um, and of course, you know, we've mentioned already the trilliums, um, the rue anemone, uh, you know, they're really some really interesting colors of flower and shapes mm -hmm. of flower and shapes of foliage. So I think that is a really neat thing to add to your garden. And I also think of the um, uh, hellebores, which are not native, but are kind of like that winter, you know, that's another transition that you could go from, you know, your hellebores that are blooming in February, March. And then I think these ones will start in April. So it's really a way to really extend your garden from, you know, right from February, right into the season of May and June. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, and I love that, like you said, there's great flowers, but there's very interesting foliage that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. that really add a whole other level to texture and interest at that time of year. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And no maintenance, right? Because you're not... They're going to get the, they're, they're getting the moisture from the winter. They're getting the leaf debris and, and all of that. They're, they're kind of surviving on their own. So they're really, there's no deadheading, there's no staking, any of that. So as far as low, uh, low maintenance plant, I would say uh, they are them. And is there any, uh, do you know if there's any issues with, because we know with our other bulbs like tulips, uh, you know, animals want to eat the, eat the bulbs. Are, do you think, are there any um, issues there? None that, none that jump out at me, but I mean, especially with native plants, they will we'll always have our native predators that might uh, go around, but they're not going to be looking up or digging them up and taking them away like your, your tulips. And if they do, they're going to dig them up and put them somewhere back native planted and help them spread <laughs> and take over their own home anyways. <laughs> so. Yeah. That would be funny. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So no, not a huge issue. And again, like you said, low maintenance. There are insects that are going to visit and that are going to feed on them, but they're up for so long. And and again, being native plants, most of them, um, there are native insects and diseases and other things that rely on them to continue and be part of that full cycle and keep everybody happy and healthy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 
Yeah, and they are perennial, so they do come back year after year. So yes, it's not yes. like a one and done. No, if when you buy them, they're going to perennial, especially if they're native, they're going to be perennial, they'll naturalize. Or again, they may be something um, like an annual, like I think of like a partridge pea, which is native to uh, south of us here in the northeastern USA. Uh, but it is an, a true annual, but it self-seeds prolifically in its area. So it's, it's always okay. being able to regenerate itself. I think of like Jack in the pulpit, right? It has all those little oh, seeds right. that someone's yes. going to come investigate and spread around. Yes. Yeah. And may apple, we for, yes, that's not on my list here, but we were just talking about may apple, which has yeah. a really interesting foliage and uh, the apples kind of hidden underneath, but they do start to emerge very early in the spring. And yeah, Jack in the pulpit is kind of a cool plant. Yeah, yeah, I love that little stalk with all the little red orange berries on them. Yeah, yeah. So add a little color afterwards. Yeah, and I think this, I'm hoping this show helps you to realize that these are what you're seeing. If you are a hiker or someone who's out in nature early in the winter or late in the winter, early in the spring, and you're wondering what these plants are, and I think many people almost even think they're weeds, right? Um, But that's what, that's the term is a spring ephemeral. That's right. So maybe even if you aren't out there at that time of year because it's cold, look who you're missing. These beautiful, amazing plants that are showing up. Yes. And also they're not disappearing because they're being covered by something else that's now taking over. They really are disappearing on their own, you know, uh, because they really are meant to live a short time. And I think it's kind of cool that it's nature's way to, to just show have something that comes up naturally that's not a dandelion that is early that you know some of the early insects can um, can feed off of yeah so anyway we just wanted to bring you this little tidbit this time of the season and we hope you learned something as we did researching the show um so yeah so thank you yeah thank you everybody for joining us on another episode of down the garden path i'm matthew dressing here with my co-host and co-author joanne shaw joanne and i enjoy hosting down the garden path bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden we learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests who join us on the show don't forget you can spend time with us down the garden path follow us on instagram facebook and youtube You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, or leave us a comment. We love hearing from our listeners. You can always write us at downthegardenpathpodcast at hotmail.com or via our websites. You can find me at downtoearth.ca with the number two and Matt at naturalaffinity, www.naturalaffinity.ca. Thanks for joining us down the garden path.